find people that are better than you and go out with them to learn from them and then also go out alone because then you're forced to put that into practice. I'm Angie Scott, and that's Nicole Stone, my guest today on the Woman Angler and Adventure podcast. Welcome. Nicole shares her story and reveals her strategy to get yourself to the point where you're comfortable enough to get out there hunting and fishing on your own and much more. Before we dive into it, I wanted to share with you all some super exciting news. The press release for the next Women Ice Angler project just went out. This is a project started five years ago by my co-host Barb Carey to help spotlight female ice anglers in the media. This year's theme is all about facing your fears and following your passion. And they just added my guest today, Nicole Stone, to the 2019 team. Nicole is pumped, as are we. This year, they're going to be tackling Gitchigami, which means the Great Sea in Ojibwe, better known as Lake Superior talk about facing some fears so be sure and stay tuned for more about that all right let's jump into today's episode welcome to the woman angler and adventurer podcast inspiring real women with a passion for fishing and the outdoors to go get their adventure on now here's your host angie scott and barb carey Nicole Stone, welcome to the Woman Angular and Adventure Podcast. How's Hi, it? Hi, great to be on. Yeah, how's it? How's it going? <laughs> it's going well. Just hanging out here in North Dakota, been doing some fishing. It's been good. Awesome. So you started fishing pretty young, and then so you're like six, I believe. I read in your bio and started hunting at twelve. What drew you to those sports at such a young age? Um, so I was a farm kid and a lot of times that, especially a small town farm kid, family ran farm. So a lot of times those things I noticed with other kids as well, it, it kind of comes with being a farm kid. You're always outdoors, you know, you learn to take advantage of the resources given to you, which, you know, we used to bathe in the river and then we'd go fishing. That was like what we did for entertainment growing up. So I just, that's all I knew. My parents both hunted and fished. Um, my mom was really in love with the outdoors when I was a kid. So naturally I was too. It was, yeah, it was just kind of part of our everyday life. I, we grew up fishing the local river. And then when we got older, my dad invested in a boat. So then we started fishing the local lakes. And then, um, we just, we had land because we did, we were privileged in the sense of lucky to have a farm and land. And so I was able to hunt a lot of private land growing up. Um, for whitetail. So that's pretty much how it started. Well, one of my questions was going to be like, did you have any female role models to look up to? It sounds like your mom probably played a pretty big part in, in getting you out there and, you know, giving you some kind of like female to look up to. Um, was there anybody else or did you have any other, um, siblings or anything like that, that also hunted and fished? Uh, so it was primarily my mom. Like my dad introduced me to waterfall hunting and those things. And then my mom just loved I mean, my mom just loved to be outdoors. So that was, she was the main female role model that did it. Uh, I do have a a younger brother that I obviously could go out hunting with or fishing with. That was just nice to have a companion growing up. Uh, But otherwise it really wasn't any set person outside of just the environment I was in. Mm -hmm. That's what we did. I I didn't know much else growing up and I'm glad now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any, uh, memories like from childhood of hunting or fishing that like really stand out to you so my first really great memory of hunting was and as a kid was when I shot my first big buck with a rifle Uh, my parents set me up at a piece of property where 
um, where we're from in Minnesota, there's not a lot of open land, but there is, there was on this piece of property. And I remember I seen this deer, he ended up being 300 yards out, which I don't ever recommend someone taking a 300 yard shot, but I was young and I did it. Yeah. And, uh, he came walking down the hill and I set my gun up and I, I remember, uh, I, I see it in rack through the binox and through the scope, but I wasn't entirely sure what I was doing. And I shot and I shot, ended up shooting about eight times and I got him. And he, I don't know that I wounded him at first or what happened, but he just stood there. And then he eventually literally laid down. I remember freezing so bad. This is November in Minnesota, so it's very cold. Oh, yeah. And running home, you know, tell my dad, like, <laughs> I think I shot a nice deer, you know? And then we, drove out there together and I had shot a 10 point buck. It was a nice 10 point buck. It was no monster, but it was a great memory as a kid. I, that was the first buck. Just excited. Yeah. That kind of reminds me not quite probably as big of a scale, but um, one time when I was growing up, I also grew up in Minnesota and I was fishing off a dock. We were up at a resort. It might've been uh, Lake Vermilion or something. And at that time I'd fished, but I hadn't really, like gotten into like baiting my own hook and actually handling the fish. I think I'd started baiting my own hook, but not actually like taking the fish off the hook. I was still a little scared of that. And I was fishing off the dock and all of a sudden I landed this huge smallmouth and it oh, fought so hard and I was shaky, like the adrenaline was pumping because I was out there, you know, like I said, by myself. So this was like, I felt like I'd done this. This was the first one like I did on my own, you know, and real big fish and it like kind of swam under the dock and it was getting wrapped around and I finally, I was able to grab a net and get it and I just remember running up to the cabin as fast as I could like, dad, I caught this fish. Fish, you know, <laughs> kind of reminded me of like, similar. Yeah. So he come down and, you know, we took pictures and stuff. And so, yeah, and it's, uh, just kind of reminded me of that memory. I, I know what you must have felt like, you know, like after that, landing. That nice. excitement. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's so, very cool. So you, so you graduated college in 2012 with a degree in atmospheric science. What led you to uh, choose that field of study? So when I was younger, I really liked two things, the outdoors and weather. And so at the time, you don't really, and still, it's tough to make it in the outdoors, right? So right. I ended up going for the path of weather, uh, being a meteorologist. So that's, I love storms, and that, that's kind of what led me to go to college for it. And then I ended up being able to graduate a little bit early with that degree, and then I worked on a mesonet where I actually took weather-based measurements from eastern Montana all the way to northwestern Minnesota. And I did that for quite a few years, really enjoyed, really enjoyed taking the weather side of things, but then ended up, I had a couple other dreams I wanted to tackle. So I ended up leaving that field to try being my own, being my own boss and running a media business. But I still love the weather. Like I still, people still relate me to weather, I guess. That's why I I became a meteorologist. (laughs) What was the the process like leaving that field and pursuing you know, your outdoor and media uh, dreams? I think the process was, I, I had a great job. I loved it. I was able to work outside and run instrumentation. And that was something I loved, was being able to work with my hands and being outdoors. And then there's like a combination of different things that were happening at the time with my career um, and with the state, as a state employee. And they were making cuts. And when you're young, when you're, you know, young in your 20s and you hear that you were you know, you're not going to get a pay raise for one of the years because that's just how it works when you're under a government umbrella. You start thinking of, 
you know, what else can I do? What else can I do to chase dreams or to get that drive to keep wanting to work harder and more? Mm-hmm. And so then I slowly started messing around with like writing online for people and taking side work as a freelance writer. And that I started realizing I could make money off of that. And then I had more time, like if I did this full time, I'd have more time to hunt and fish and then see where I could go with all that. And so then I ended up putting in, as I continued to put out work and get more clients, I ended up putting in like, you know, a month's warning to my boss and just kind of said, I had a great time here, but I want to take chances. I want to do this. I'm getting work. I'm starting to make money. And then I just quit. And mm-hmm. when my month was up, I left and I started having enough work where I could supplement our household income. I married. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't to the point when I left that I was matching, you know, that I was able to just be like, I'm making a million dollars. I'm leaving my job, right. but it was a step in the right direction. Uh, and that's probably the hardest the most challenging part of it is just getting the courage to take that chance and try to chase something else. Like try to find clients, pitch myself to other people, prove I can do media. I can do social media. I can write, I can make blog posts rank. And then uh, since my interest is in the outdoors, I was able to find outdoor companies and people to work with as well to really like, like put those two together, which helped. I think that combining two passions like that, it just makes you all the more focused and, and excited about what you're doing. So that's really cool that you've found a way to be able to do that. When did you start producing videos of your own out- outdoor adventures? Like you have Nicole Stone Outdoors and you have like a ton of YouTube videos and a pretty big following there. Like when did that uh, process start? That started this last November. I was... We went out, so um, we freeze up quickly up here, especially some of our shallower lakes freeze up before others. So we went to one of the well-known lakes to freeze up quickly, which was Red Lake, fantastic walleye fishery. And I was like, one day I just said, I know I can catch fish today. There's not a lot of, there's not a lot of female ice fishing people out there right now. So I'm just going to make a couple videos and see what happens just because I'm going to be fishing either way, right? Like I'll set my camera up. And I know I'll catch fish, so I just tried it. And I, I enjoyed it. Like, for whatever it's worth, I just enjoyed doing it myself and recording fishing and what I love doing and put one out there. I, that was pretty much it. And it's been okay. It's been fun to do. It's yeah. fun to share your fishing experiences with others. Yeah. Do you do all your own editing and producing of those videos? Yeah, I do all yeah. of it. I just wow. kind of throw it together and just, yeah, put something together to put out there and see what happens with yeah, I think with YouTube, it's tough because it takes time to, I'm sure you probably know this as well, like to, to edit out a video just oh, yeah. takes time, even if it's not a perfect edit or it's not the greatest, like no matter what, it's just time you're putting into it that you don't get payback. So that, I just do it for fun. Yeah. Have you had any that went kind of viral so far? Um, The closest one that went viral was my solo fishing for my ice fishing, it was mm-hmm. solo fishing. I just did uh, like a jig review for a business, and then I was like, I'm just going to go out solo fishing today and stay solo fishing on there. And apparently, ice fishing, solo fishing, and women like yeah. is something that must not be overdone because that one ended up getting like 40,000 views. And wow. I don't know why, in the sense of I don't know that the content was that great, but it, maybe it's just the idea. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I think I think definitely. You know, I, I've interviewed 
uh, one lady on the podcast who goes out and does solo hunts, which you also don't run into a lot, you know, with women just going out there and, and hunting on their own, staying overnight or whatever. Um, so yeah, I think that's definitely because it's so rare, you know, that that's, that's a huge thing that people are kind of drawn to, to see. Very true. It is rare. Unfortunately, I always say that, like, unfortunately it's rare, right? I Mm -hmm. mean, it shouldn't be. Right. But our purpose through this podcast is just to, you know, capture these stories of women like you who are getting out there and doing those things and hopefully inspire other women. Like, like Barb Carey, uh, my co-host says, if she can do it, I can do it. And that's, you know, what we're trying to showcase yes. in the show. So yeah, perfect. I could agree more. That's, that's exactly the mentality that mm-hmm. that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Do you have any quick and dirty tips for women out there who are wanting to get out? They're just a little intimidated uh, to just get out there and do it on their own. Um, whether it be, I mean, this could be pertaining to freshwater fishing, ice fishing or hunting. Yeah. So when it comes to fishing, I absolutely love this question because a lot of times I feel like there's a big, from what I've seen on social media, a lot of women can be kind of timid about doing it themselves or taking the boat out themselves. And the number one thing I want to say is one, the one of the best ways to become a better fisher quick, better fisher woman quicker is to go fishing alone because then you're forced to learn your electronics better. You're forced to be the one to find the fish. You're forced to be the one to learn better boat control, which are all crucial to actually catching the fish. Mm-hmm. And uh, to do this, what I think a lot of women need to do is go out with someone they're comfortable with, whether it's ice fishing or regular fishing or even hunting, someone that really knows their stuff and they're comfortable with their husband, their father, their mother, whoever it may be. And then be the one in charge, but have that other person there you know, as like a security factor at first. Cause when I had started this, I had my dad that, you know, if I was backing up a boat, you, he could tell me, Nicole, you're way off or you're going to nail the dock and give me a little guidance. And then with my husband, as I got older, you know, when I'm out there working the boat and I'm the one make, calling the shots, I can learn from him as well because he's, he's very good at what he does and I'm comfortable with him. And like that type of thing where I'm in control or for them, you know, they're out there learning, they're in control and they have that security person there in case, you know, the wind picks up and it's hard to load the boat. And by practicing, I feel like all these things, you become such a better angler. Or if you're a hunter, you know, when you're there having to run the spot and stock, let's say, you know, you're the one that's learning. Like you learn the best by doing, Mm -hmm. I think is probably my advice to women outdoorsmen. And it's just a matter of practicing. Would you agree? You obviously do this stuff yourself and you're Yes. No, I agree. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I've learned so much by getting out, taking my own boat out, um, trying to figure out where I think might be a good spot where I might have some success catching fish. And, um, and it's so much more rewarding, you know, when you, when you yes. do have success, cause you're like, yeah, I did this. Um, and I, I'm also in a bass club and I would recommend that that might be a good, uh, place for somebody to start too, especially if you don't have anyone else that you can connect with to go out with is like join a local fishing club and go out with them. And like my experience has been that they're very much into teaching, you know, and so there's all levels. There's usually boaters and non-boaters. And so if you don't even have your own boat, that's not a big deal. And they'll let you, most of the guys or if there's women in the club, they'll let you run you know, run the front of the boat, run the trolling motor and like try to learn stuff on your own. Um, they'll let you 
back the trailer down and, you know, help you through all that stuff. So even if you don't have your own boat, you could get started in a fishing club and learn a lot that way. Yes, that's fantastic advice. Very, very good point. A great way to get to learn from people. I always say, like, there's the two best ways to learn is to not do the same thing over and over again. So, like, find people that are better than you and go out with them to learn from them. And then also go out alone because then you're forced to put that into practice. So those we covered both those two things. Yeah. And it really, and you nailed it. It's much more rewarding when you can, you know, find the fish. Like, half of the battle in fishing is finding the fish and then staying on the fish. So. Right. And, and there's even, I'll throw this out there, too. There's even some, you can only learn so much, like, online, not not hands-on, but there's some really good online resources now. I know, and this is kind of more specific to like inshore fishing, like down Florida, North Carolina, Texas, but there's this couple guys out there uh, that I've had on the show in the past that they run a company called Salt Strong, but they actually do like online classes that you can sign up for. And they teach you like things that I think would apply anywhere, like looking at a a map, like a pulling up a map on like Google Earth or whatever, and pulling up a lake and trying to look at it and determine just from that map what looks like would be a good place to target. So if it's a lake you're not familiar with, you've never been before, you can look at some of these spots and say, oh, okay, I see, you know, there's a cove here and like the structure here or whatever. And, you know, that might be a good place to try. And so there's, there are some resources online where you can also learn. But I, th- I don't think anything can replace just getting out there and doing it hands-on. Oh, yes. And that's actually super interesting. They do that. And that's a great resource is learning how to, re- you know, I mean, you got to understand the maps, whether it be Navionics to Google Earth and just finding the structure and finding where fish congregate in a lake. That's incredibly important. So that's great to know. And hopefully there's some resources like that. Oh, there are resources like that scattered throughout for um, freshwater fishing. So Yeah. And also, I think a big thing for people to learn too is learning how to read their electronics. And I know on on my lake, there's a guide who actually, he has a specific outing that's just teaching you how to read your electronics. So if you have a resource like that, I think that would be payoff dividends to take that and like really learn what you're looking at, what you're, what you want to look, see when you're choosing a spot to fish. And I have not done that myself yet, honestly, is something that's kind of been on my list of things to do. Um, so I have a Lawrence graph and like, I don't really know what I'm looking at half the time. So <laughs> Electronics is huge. I couldn't agree more with you on that. And then like, I was going to say hummingbird, like we mentioned online resources. So what I like doing is hummingbird actually walk, we have hummingbird units. We have um, the helix on our boat that we can also turn into um, our producer over hard water. And then we have an ice 55, which is another hummingbird product for ice fishing. And that's just a designated flasher. And so Hummingbird literally walks us through what to do on their YouTube page. So like if you just have a, you know, a half hour someday and you can just watch and you can hook up your electronics to a battery right in your house and just go through the modes and see what, how to get where you want to be, you know, whether you want to get to the charting feature or you want to change, add new waypoints or you want to, you know, just convert your unit into a flasher for ice season. Like that's all there. And it's just about finding it. Like you said, like using your resources. So what does the future look like for you? Like where, where in your dream would you want all of this to go? Um, I think if you, uh, my ultimate 
dream that would be to make enough income from both my Nicole Stone blog, which has nothing to do with the outdoors. It's just a marketing blog that drives quite a bit of traffic. Mm -hmm. And then from my outdoor side of things, like whether it be with Ladies of Angling site or just working with businesses to simply have enough so that my husband and I can travel around hunting and fishing like a large majority of our time. That, that is like, I guess I'm not out for anything more than I'd like to, who doesn't want to make like a mark on in the fishing world or inspire other women. Right. That's always part of it. But for, it would just be outstanding to be able to hunt and fish more, even though I do it a lot already. I think that would be just the freedom to like live in an RV and go, go hunt Western North Dakota. And then the next week, go spend all week fishing Northern Minnesota. That type of thing is the dream. That's what I was going to ask if, it, if when you get to that point, if it would be like an RV kind of life traveling around uh, and getting out there and doing that, that, that sounds like the ultimate dream to me. <laughs> yeah. So you live in a houseboat, right? Yes. So like that dream. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I'm stuck at the one lake, you know, but still that's not bad. And it's, it's not a bad fishery. It's Percy Priest Lake, which is just outside of Nashville. And we have quite a variety of fish. I wish we had walleye. That's my one thing that's kind of like painful to me that I can't go out and fish for walleye but uh maybe it's a good thing because I'd probably be out there like constantly <laughs> no, no I hear you walleye fishing I mean you're from Minnesota originally yeah. I'm from Minnesota originally and North Dakota is full of walleye addicts but it is it's an addicting it's an addicting fish to chase it's a challenge and the reward is very good like they're a nice sized fish a giant walleye is a giant so it's yeah. just yeah, and nothing quite like walleye fishing. This is a challenge. Yeah, and growing up, you know, we really fished to to eat our fish, and so the walleye was just always like the you know kind of known as the best, one of the best tasting fish yeah. out there, and so that just kind of added. I think is my comp- the competitiveness in me too, just like fishing with my family, my brother, and my dad, and like trying to get the biggest and the you know the biggest walleye would, would be like the ultimate fish to catch. So that's kind of what drove me to that. There is a lake outside of Nashville. There's several actually outside of Nashville that are stocked with walleye. If I have to pull out, I've got a little pontoon as well. So I'll pull that out every now and then and go walleye fishing. So I do get some of that down here, but just not as Very often nice. as I'd like to. <laughs> you kind of mentioned it already, but where are some of the places people can go to find you online? So people can find me at NicoleStone.com, which is just kind of a, my business site, if anyone's interested in that. Uh, NicoleStone Outdoors on Instagram on Facebook, on YouTube, and then Ladies of Angling, which is a collaboration between me and Nebraska Muskie Girl, just showcasing women who really love to fish and their catches and their their tips and really trying to be more of an authoritative, it's like an authoritative website, Mm -hmm. you know, advice tips, more in depth. So they can find a lot of good information there. And then also I have a Nicole Stone Outdoors website. So I like making websites, pretty obvious. And then, uh, (laughs) That one is just kind of a general about me if people search for Nicole Stone Outdoors and then links you to all my other sources. So. Awesome. All right. So well, those are all the places. <laughs> I will share links to all those in the show notes for this episode too so people can go there and check that out. Before I let you go, I have a, a quick, uh, a few lightning round questions. First one, hunting or fishing? Fishing. Hard or soft water? Right now, hard water. Uh, YouTube or Instagram? YouTube. <laughs> Even though it's more work? 
It's more so, work, but yeah. it's just kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> All right, this one's kind of out there. Who is your favorite superhero and why? Catwoman. I love cats. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And a uh, weapon of choice. A bow. And uh, sunrise or sunset? Sunrise. All right. Well, that was awesome. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to do an interview for the podcast. And, uh, you know, we just really appreciate having women like you out there that are just putting stuff out there, inspiring other women, and just keep doing what you're doing. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Woman Angler and Adventure. Head on over to the show notes at thewomanangler.com slash 33 so you can check out some photos and check out some links to the things that we were talking about in this episode. While you're there, please sign up for our email list. We'll see you back here next week. <laughs>